Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want you to find verse 4. Then we're going to go to chapter 4 and verse 20. Not, not many verses of Scripture, but powerful. If you're all there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, say Amen. Reading from the New International Version. Click that clock, young man. Not that I'll pay attention to it. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. Go to chapter 4. Find verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What would you prefer? Shall I come with you a whip? (laughs) Or in love? and with a gentle spirit. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we have notes. If you don't have those, you slip your hand up. Do you have notes yet? Very good. Hands are going up all over. Just give them all offering envelopes. That ought to fix everything. All right, they're, they're working on it. Uh, thank God for administrative people. I uh, had occasion of talking to my brother today, my brother John, who is uh, in ministry in Santa Barbara, California. They need a church like ours too. And... Um, I think since we need to burn a little bit of time as we wait for notes, because I want you to preach this to someone else and to help you to remember it, I'm going to read this to you. This is a section, how many of you heard of uh, A.W. Tozer? And if you haven't heard of him, now you have, read everything he ever wrote, all right? So there you go. What, which book? All of them. Why is that? Because they're, they're, they're so life-changing. This section of uh, writing comes from... Uh, him and his book called Paths to Power. And um, I don't believe that I have read this, but as I was talking to my, in fact, I'm pretty sure I haven't read this book. But as I was talking to my brother John, he said, oh, I got a quote from this book that worked for what you're talking about. He sent it to me when I read it. I just thought, my God, listen to this. This is by A.W. Tozer, as we wait for notes an introduction to a message entitled, Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. Since power is a word of many uses and misuses, let me explain what I mean by it, says Tozer. First, I mean spiritual energy energy of sufficient voltage to produce great saints once again. That breed of mild, harmless Christian grown in our congregation is but a poor sample 
of what the grace of God can do when it operates in power in a human heart. The emotionless act of accepting the Lord, quote, end quote, practiced among us bears little resemblance to the whirlwind conversions of the past. Whirlwind conversions of the past. We need the power that transforms, that fills the soul with a sweet intoxication that will make a former persecutor to be beside himself with the love of Christ. We have today theological saints who can and must be proved to be saints by an appeal to the Greek original. We need saints whose lives proclaim their sainthood and who need not run to the concordance for authentication. It's about to get ugly. If you're going to get upset, blame the 1936 author and man of God, A.W. Tozer. But I would also see so you can get upset at me too because I agree with everything he's saying. Secondly, about power, secondly, I mean a spiritual unction that gives heavenly unction to our worship. By the way, I commend you for your worship because anytime you can hear a congregation singing above the worship team, something's right. And I know some of you might have been Snapchatting and Insta-whatevering, but there was a sound of worship. Not many people distracted, not many people talking like they are now. I lost my place. Secondly, about power. I mean, I'm going I'm to reread this sentence. I mean, the spiritual unction that will give a heavenly unction to our worship, that will make our meeting places sweet with the divine presence. In such a holy place, showy sermons and streamlined personalities will be all out of order. A very grief to the Holy Spirit and an emphasis will fall where it belongs, upon the Lord himself and his message to mankind then I mean that heavenly quietly marks, which marks, that I mean that heavenly, that heavenly quality, pardon me, which marks the church as a divine thing. The greatest proof of our weaknesses, our weakness these days, is that there is no longer anything terrible or mysterious about us. The church has been explained, the surest evidence of her fall. We now have little that can be accounted for by psychology and statistics. In that early church, they met together on Solomon's porch, and so great was the sense of God's presence that no man dared join himself to them. The world saw fire in that bush and stood back in fear, but no one is afraid of ashes. Today, they dare come close as they please. They even slap the unprofessed bride of Christ on the back and get coarsely familiar. If we ever again impress unsaved men with a wholesome fear of the supernatural, we must have once more the dignity of the Holy Spirit. We must know again that awe-inspiring mystery which comes upon men and churches when they're full of the power of God. Lastly, Tozer goes on to say, 
by power, I mean that divine inspiration which moves the heart, persuades the hearer to repent and believe in Christ. It is not eloquence. It is not logic. It is not argument. It is not any of these things, though it may accompany any or all of them. It is more penetrating than thought, more discerning than conscience, more convincing than reason. It is this subtle wonder that flows anointed preaching, a mysterious operation of the Spirit on the spirit of mortals. Such power must be present in some degree before anyone can be saved. It is the ultimate enabling without which the most earnest seeker must fall short of true saving faith. Anything else being equal, we shall have as much success in Christian work as we have power. No more, no less. Let me read this last section in chapter 4 of that book. The power of God comes only where it's called out to the, by the plow. It is released into the church only when she is doing something that demands it. By the word doing, I do not merely mean activity. The church has plenty of hustle, plenty of activity as it is. But all of her activities, she's very careful to leave out her fallow ground, mostly untouched. She's careful to confine her hustling within the fear-marking boundaries of complete safety. That is why she's fruitless. She's safe, but fallow. Look around today, says Tozer, and see where the miracles of power are taking place. Never in the seminary where each thought is prepared for the student and to be received painlessly at the second hand. Never in the religious institution where traditions and habit have long ago made faith unnecessary. Never in the old church where the memorial tablets plastered over the furniture bear silent testimony to a glory that once was. Listen to this last sentence. I fear that I've lost most of you. Listen to the last sentence. Invariably, where daring faith is struggling to advance against hopeless odds, there is God sending help from his sanctuary. God wants to pour out his spirit in a way that none of us know anything about. And I've been in some moves of God, but I understand and know by revelation that something greater is coming than we've ever seen before. And I know that theologically. I know it from God's word. I long for God to show up and show off. And, and, and what, what's so sad is it at the same time, we as preachers endeavor to polish our sermons and still speak with eloquence. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's good to be a clear communicator so that I can get the, some of the things out of the way so you can hear what the Spirit is saying. And I hope to do that tonight. I want to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, if you would, please give me the liberty to completely skip all of my notes I've given you, but I might use them also. Everywhere you see Jesus show up, the kingdom of God is released. A book that, that if, you're, if you're 
hungry to get hungry to get discipled, the book that you should read is by George Ladd, The Kingdom of God. It's a book that's mandatory reading for everybody that's I'm mentoring and discipling. If you're hungry for God, you want to know about the kingdom of God, get the book, George Ladd. It's profound. He says this, that the kingdom of God, come on, the kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is the theme from the book of of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. You see, God came to Adam and Eve, and he wanted the family, and they messed it up, and they they ate from the tree. They, they, They blew it. And you say, well, how come God didn't do that in a vacuum? Because love is not in a vacuum. You have to choose to love God. And they chose to disobey and brought the curse. And then you see Noah and you see uh, the flood and God kind of starts over and it says, be fruitful and multiply. And over and over and over, you see sin is within the human heart. And God had kings and, and David failed and Saul failed and David failed and over and over and over, mankind constantly failing. God wanted to come to dwell among them. That's even what the tabernacle in the wilderness is about. It's about God dwelling among them. All a type and a shadow that one day God would come to step out of eternity and put on robes of flesh and walk the earth for 33 and a half years, casting out devils, healing the sick, setting the captives free. Jesus. His name is Jesus. He took the sin of the world and he died on a cruel Roman cross and he rose again in accordance with the scripture, fulfilling over 300 prophecies that said he would do so. Jesus, fully God, fully man, took your sin and took my sin, died and rose again and comes to live inside your heart and my heart if we invite him in. It's not just just because you came to church. He doesn't come to live inside your heart because you came to church tonight. Just because you're listening to the message, he doesn't dwell inside you because you showed up. He dwells inside you if you repent. When you repent, you receive the king of the kingdom. Can I get an amen? You receive the king of the kingdom. Then the kingdom of God is within you. So George Ladd said this, the kingdom of God is the rule of God. It's the what? It's the rule of God. And wherever the king is, so is the kingdom. The apostle Paul talked about the church being the nios of God, the dwelling place of God. So Jesus lives on the inside of me. He lives on the inside of you. And if he doesn't live on the inside of you, we will remedy that within the next 30 minutes. And when we come together, we are the temple of the living God. That Literally, God makes his home here. That's why it's supernatural. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints and summon the custom of doing. I'm telling you, the anointing on all of us together is stronger than whatever anointing you have on you. say, well, I like going to the mountains to have church. That's nice. I like church in the mountains too. But you can't throw this out. There's a corporate anointing where faith is released. Listen, I preach to myself all the time. It's not this. There's something different here. This is different. So the kingdom of God, and whenever Jesus showed up, he released his power. So write in your notes, the kingdom of God, look at B, continue to expand in the early church through the name of Jesus. Through the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you think the church is supposed to grow now? It sure isn't by some cute teaching unless that's followed by signs and wonders. It sure isn't just by some leadership or a little TED talk. It's, I, I love lights. I love, I, I'll even like the haze and, and, and great sound and all of that. We'll have that in our new building. We have it here. 
But if you have this as a substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit, you have missed it altogether. You might have a lot of likers on your, on your Twitter page or your whatever it is, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. The power of God was put on display in the early church in the name of Jesus. They cast out devils, they healed the sick. You can't get away from it. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 43, going to give you a bunch of scripture here. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders. How many? Many, many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. Acts 5 and 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. And it wasn't just the apostles. For those of you that want to talk about cessationists, might have ceased for you. It's too late for me. Acts 6, 8, now Stephen, he's not an apostle, Stephen, he's a Grecian believer, a man full of grace and power, performed great wonders. That's not even regular wonders, that's great wonders. What kind of wonders? Great ones. What does that mean? I don't know. What is a wonder? It's a sign that makes you go, hmm. And then it's great. Signs and wonders among the people. Philip in Acts 8, 6, when the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs that he performed, They all paid close attention to what he said. What was he doing? It's not the Apostle Paul. It's not the Apostle Peter. It's Philip, old old Philip. Who's doing the wonders? Jesus through Philip. I'm going to tell you the way that Eagle River will grow, the way that that, uh, Cleburne will grow. I was going to say that smaller state to the south. But the way that Cleburne will grow, the way that Anchorage will grow is the same way that this place has grown, and I think we're probably about ankle deep. I know there's another level of signs and wonders and miracles. You can't read the text of Scripture and get away from it. See, me, so I, I don't think I can ever be a preacher because I, 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 can't, I can't talk so good. Show me where, where does it say in here that you're supposed to be a good talker? It says the opposite. A lot of people can talk good, and have no juice, have no fire, have no power, have no unction, can't cast a flea off a dog's back. Let's have a praise break. Gosh, you're kind of intense. Yeah, we're, it's intense time. It's an intense time. When transgenders are being brought in to be in the Olympics, and there's so much confusion, and, and you have to change. You can't say him or her. You have to say, like, I don't know what you I, It's insane. Who's going to stand up? I am. What about your five? You can roll it up and smoke it if you want to. I, we're going to preach the gospel. With signs, wondered, lift your hand, said, I'm going to preach the God, the good news. I'm going to preach the good news with signs, wonders, and I don't know what that was, but if I hear it again, I might come back there and cast that thing out. I'm teasing you. Acts 14.3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there Speaking boldly for the Lord. Boldly. boldly. Speaking boldly. You'll notice that signs and wonders are always tied to boldness. You don't have any boldness, you ain't going to see Jack happen. Jack ain't going to be nimble, and he sure ain't going to be quick. Who confirmed the message, confirmed the message by his grace, 
by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. What was the message confirmed by? What was the message? You're headed to hell. Jesus loves you. Died in your place. You must be born again. That's the message. I'll just make it plain and simple. That's it. Be born again. You must repent of your sin, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you'll be translated out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Out of, out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom because the king comes and lives on the inside of you. And then you're then in the kingdom. Your name is then written in the Lamb's book of life. So, so they confirm that. So they tell that and they say, now this is true and here's how you know it's true. If there's any of you sick among you, if there's anybody sick here, stand up. And he healed them all. And we're like, ooh, I guess that is true. This sign over here says what? E-X-I-T. What's it say? Exit. You can try to go through that green sign, but I think it might be a little painful. Dr. David, it would be painful to go through the, would you agree? In your professional opinion, is that even possible to go through that green sign? It's not about the sign. It's about the exit. It's about the door. It's about the truth. It's about the way. It's about Jesus Christ. So when he raises the dead and he heals the sick and he sets the captives free, it's pointing to a door. It points to a door. It points to Jesus. Acts 15, verse 12. Turn there. Then we're going to look at this text in detail. Acts 15, Paul is in Jerusalem, and he's talking to the leaders there. And in verse 12, the whole assembly, so he's, He's basically talking about his missionary journey to the, to the pagans, to the Gentiles. Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile, okay? So he's talking about his missionary journey to the Gentiles. And he's saying, and this happened, and then, oh, and then. And he's testifying, and he says this. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul tell about the signs and wonders God had done, um, done among the Gentiles through them. Where is this kind of preaching? Where is this kind of church? Where is this kind of expansion plan? Where is this kind of network? Where is this? Where is this today? What stirred you to preach this? We, uh, we had a house blessing. Amongst other things, this is one of the things that stirred me to preach what I'm preaching to you. We had a house blessing, and during the house blessing, at the very end of it, there was talk about a house that had caused the neighborhood trouble, I guess, for some 20 years. I might not have all the, the details right, but for a long time, drug house. And you say, well, Pastor, we need to pray, you know, for the house. And honestly, it just came out of my spirit. It wasn't like, oh, let's reach our hands and do this thing. It just came out of my spirit. Like when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's done. And I said, oh, that's taken care of. And I think what happened actually is there's so many people that were praying that God would intervene. And so when it was mentioned to me, and I said, oh, that's just done. And I think I, I went like something like that. And, and it was done. Do you know that place within 24 hours burned to the ground? Thank God. Burned to the ground. It's gone. It doesn't exist. The drug house doesn't exist anymore. Thank God nobody died. Amen. We're not wishing death on anybody. But I'm telling you, you have more power, more authority than you could possibly know. And some of you just shrivel back underneath the covers. Oh, the devil. 
Stand up on your God-given blood-bought right and punch him in the throat. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? All right, look at the text. Are we having fun tonight? It's 8-12. And the clock says I got 21 minutes and 30 seconds left. The Apostle Paul in this text is defending himself against a, it's really a demonic spirit that comes to criticize him. I called him a serpent in the church. How many of there are serpents in the church? Somebody said, I cannot believe what happened. I came and, I, and, and somebody just stole right out of my purse. No kidding. It's a church. I know. Where else should thieves go? They should come to get delivered. It's a, I can't go to that church. A bunch of, bunch of hypocrites. You're here. Well, hypocrites should go to church so they can get changed. All right. So, look, if you haven't locked your car and it's in the parking lot, we have security. I've got HD cameras. Lock your car. Okay? How come? Because you're at a church that's reaching the lost. And not everybody's all sanctified and holy like you. Amen. Amen? All right. So there's a serpent. In the, you know, the first devil Jesus casts out is in the temple. Is there devils in here? Probably. Yeah. You can get rid of it before you leave. Devil! <laughs> leave in Jesus' name. All right. Apostle Paul's defending himself against a serpent in the church that sees man's wisdom and rhetoric as important in order to be accepted as a preacher. And you can read this. And that was, that's how it was. They had these trained, Apollos was a lawyer and he was trained in speech. And they were impressive and they would travel on a circuit and they would make money. It's, it's not unlike today. There are those that travel on a circuit, preach really powerful messages, strong, and, and receive money for it. And some do it to get wealthy. And they don't do it to spread the gospel. There are charlatans. You know that, right? You do know that. You've heard stories about them over the years. And so they're saying, hey, this apostle Paul, he's not, a, he's not very eloquent. He's not an orator. He can't really speak very well. And the apostle Paul apparently couldn't speak very good. But he had something else going for him. He had something that I think we need more of. He defines his ministry. Not, not on the skill of his ability to be able to uh, communicate. He defines his ministry by the demonstration of the Spirit's power, as we read in the text. He defines his ministry based on the demonstration of the Spirit's power, not on his ability to clearly communicate. So he might not say it all that good, but people got free, people got healed, people got delivered, and people came to Christ. That was how he defined his ministry. I don't know how it is that we can see an upper room of 120 people filled with the Holy Ghost and 3,000 people that get saved, but in many places you have 3,000 people that are saved that never see 120 come to Christ. And I'm going to tell you how I think it is. It's exactly like Tozer said. We need whirlwind conversions that only come by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul's opponents are arrogant. And they're talking to the Apostle Paul, and they're lambasting him. You know, pastors go through difficulties. 
You might not know that. You guys are gracious here. It's not always the case in some places, but pastors go through stuff. And, uh, you know, COVID was a challenge. Man, I had everybody, you need to stay open. You need to close. If you don't close, I'm not going to that church. If you don't open, I'm not going to that church. You know, I just had to settle on, y'all just talk to Jesus. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. I'm going to do my best to hear him. I can't, I can't listen to what you think I should do. It's not your church. It's not mine. It's God's. And I'm the pastor. If you want to do your own church, go ahead. Good luck with that. Now, I love you, Chad. And, you know, maybe, I think maybe we made some mistakes along the way, but here we are. We grew by a third. We grew a third last year in the middle of a pandemic. I know churches that closed. I know they're, they're the ones that closed, and they don't even exist anymore. They lost their buildings. We give God credit and praise. Come on, somebody say amen. Listen, it's not the last pandemic. You think that's the last difficulty we're going through. I got news for you. I, I, hope, I hope it's a pre-trib. I pray it is. Say, so you pre-trib or you post? Pan. Pan trib. What's pan? It's all going to pan out. I love God. It's going to work out. I trust him. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, I trust his leadership. But Paul says this. He says, okay, uh, I'm going to come, and we'll see who's got it. That's what he says. When I come, we'll see who has power. What kind of New Testament trash talk is that? You know what trash talk is, right? Trash talk is like when I, I wrestled for, uh, for a long time. Would you, would you come? Did you wrestle? He did other things. Okay, well, one of the things you do in wrestling... <laughs> In wrestling, you face off like this, and the first thing you do, it's the first thing you do. The first thing you do, you get a ref, there's a mat, and you're like, yeah, what's up? And so they go, okay, and you shake hands. So you, you go to shake hands, and I would do this. I would shake hands, and i go, you're dead. <laughs> or like, I'm going to work you. I'm going to hurt you. And you back off. It was trash talk. It happens on, on, in the NFL. It happens in basketball. You know? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's trash talk. The, the, the only thing is, he ain't talking trash. He can back it up. The, oh, come on. Some of you don't understand what I'm saying. Come on, turn to the book. Turn to the book of Acts. Turn to Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 13. Look at this. All the mama jokes I heard on the line. Football, I kind of enjoyed them. No offense, Mom. I enjoyed them because it would make me angry, and then I would hurt them. Amen. Wasn't as sanctified as I am right now, which means if you talk about my mother, there might be another side of me, you see. Mess with my wife, mess with my kids. <laughs> Can I tell a funny story where you're going to the book of Acts? Acts 13. Many years ago, there was a young man that took a liking to my daughter. And uh, it wasn't, they were too young, all right? So it's just too young altogether, too young. And so he's, he's taken, taken sweet on her, and, and uh, I think she was enjoying the attention. And unbeknownst to her, I think she might know the story now, but if not, enjoy it. I said, hey, bro, uh, why don't you meet me in my office? Oh, 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 oh okay. 
So I said, yeah, hey, sit down. I had somebody else there with me. I don't know who it was. It might have been Pastor Alex. We sat down. I said, listen, I've got two roles in your life. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. I said, okay. One role is I'm your pastor. I love you. I care for you. You're going to be a great man of God. You're going to serve God. So the other role is I'm Hannah's father. Uh Uh-huh. I said, okay. So I'm going to fulfill two roles right now. The first one's Hannah's dad. Ready? He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, okay. Don't text, don't call, don't send smoke signals from the far side of the state. Are we clear? You, are we, you understand me? Uh-huh. I said, okay, now here's the pastor. Let me come and pray for you. Come on, Father, thank you so much. And all the fathers said, The Apostle Paul is a New Testament trash talk. It says, you keep talking like that, I'm going to show up and we'll see who's got the... The power. And in Acts 13, the Apostle Paul, this is New Testament power. God don't burn any houses down. Listen, they might have fought against God, come out from underneath his covering, and there comes a time of fullness. The fullness of the Amorites, when the fullness of the Amorites comes, and I'm referring to the New Testament, it's a principle of fullness or completeness. There comes a time when you reject God enough that you can be turned over to a reprobate. When is that? It's not, if you're hearing me right now, you're not there. Abraham receives a promise that says all of the land is going to be yours, but you can't have it yet because the Amorite sin is not yet to its fullness. It's a picture of God's mercy, a picture of God's grace, but they, they come to fullness, and it's then that Joshua evicts them out of the promised land. You understand? So it could be that the house, it got torched, it just it, it reaches fullness. It's re- actually, judgment is an expression of God's love. Some of you hadn't figured that out yet. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. So there's this sorcerer, his name is Elimus or Bar-Jesus. Look at Acts 13, here we go, verse 8. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that was his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So Paul's preaching to them. Verse 9, so Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. What? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Looked straight at Elimus and said, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will, will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not able to even see the light of the sun. And immediately a mist and a darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what happened, <laughs> he believed. Imagine that. For he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. The teaching, you say, well, we're a church that teaches. You show me anywhere in Scripture, a church in Scripture that teaches and has no demonstration. Doesn't exist. It's totally an unbiblical model to say, well, we're just a teaching church. We teach, I'm teaching you now. I go back and forth. Somebody, we had uh, somebody that was analyzing the way that we do things here to help us with our technology in the new building. And they said, we were watching you. You go from teacher to preacher in like 30 seconds flat. You're never even behind your pulpit. Like, yeah. Whether you stand behind a pulpit or you move around, you best have the demonstration of the Spirit because if you don't have that, then there's something radically missing. I'm all for, I'm glad for teaching churches. I'm glad for every kind of church. They belong to the Lord. But really to separate, to separate demonstration from what you do as a church is completely unbiblical 
And, it, and you can't find a biblical model that actually models that. You say, we're a seeker-sensitive church. You still ought to have signs and wonders. You still ought to have salvation. And Paul says, I'm coming to show you what I got. We're going to see what you got. There should not be, looking back at your notes, there should not be a separation between the preaching of God's word and signs and wonders. Turn to John 14. And uh, John 14 is a powerful chapter. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. It's just a powerful, powerful chapter. Verse 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, which is what? Multiplying loaves and fishes, um, walking on water, healing the sick, setting the captives free. Literally everything that Jesus did, he's referring to. I was talking to a Baptist scholar who said, well, he's talking about salvation. It's not, okay, but he can't, but it's more than salvation. It includes salvation, but it's all the other stuff too. The woman with the issue of blood, on and on and on and on. Greater works will you do than these. He's referring to the miracles that he's done because I'm going to the Father. Because he's going to the Father. Number, number one right here, faith in Jesus in the king releases king, the, the kingdom power. You can be used to release kingdom power in your life. You've got to shake yourself free from the secular humanistic view that that, that, that you know, most people believe that God has all power. I mean, there are atheists and people in extremes, but in churches, churches are full of unbelieving believers. In other words, they believe in God that he, that he has all things, can do all things. But in their life, they, they don't see that manifested. Something that Tozer said in the end, at, the, at that very end of his passage that I read to you, chapter 4 of Paths of Power, it says, listen to this, invariably where daring faith is struggling to advance against hopeless odds, there is God sending help from the sanctuary. Why would God enable you with power to brush your teeth? You can brush. Some of you need to brush your teeth. Hey. Can you raise your hand if you are physically able to brush your teeth? Okay, great. Now, if you're not physically able to lift your hand, then you're going to need God to help heal you to be able to lift your hand. How many of you, how many of you can, you know, stand up right now? Go ahead. Try it. Ready? One, two, three. Stretch those legs. No deep vein of thrombosis here. Amen. <laughs> okay, you may be seated. All right, you made a decision. You made a choice to stand up. How many of you can heal someone of cancer? And don't get all spiritual on me. I mean, you and yourself. You're like, yeah, I can. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about that. In and of yourself, you can't heal anything. Oh, but with the word of God, by faith, faith is action on God's word. They'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Not, not they'll maybe recover. They shall recover. They will recover. By his stripes, not you may be healed. You are healed by his stripes. How come we don't see more miracles? Because we don't have more people walking in faith. Well, I prayed for people like 10 times and nothing happened. It's not about you. Well, maybe you pray for people 20 times and 21, maybe on the 21st time you raise the dead. We were coming in the other day and, and it, and it's just kind of where am I? We were coming in the other day, and there's a bird, a beautiful little sparrow, dead on my porch. And I was with Hannah, and she's like, oh. And, yeah, and I picked it up, 
and we looked at it, and I gave it, you know, it, it did a little bird crash or something. I don't know what it did. Broke its neck. I don't know what was wrong with it. It was still warm a little bit. And so I looked. I go, come on, little birdie. Come on, little birdie. What did we do then? We flushed it down the toilet. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what did we do then? We took the bird. I put two hands on it, and I said, in the name of Jesus, live. And its mouth is like, I closed its little mouth. I said, in the name of Jesus, live. Live. I tried a couple times. Okay, it died. And I put it in the trash. But the point is, what's the point? <laughs> like, I have no idea. Pastor killed a bird. I don't know what happened. The point is, put your faith to it. Believe God. Believe God. I could tell you a story about a cat that got up from the dead, but I'm not going to. Because I wouldn't want to bring Pastor Karen into any, sh any shade on Pastor Karen. I wouldn't want to throw her under any shade. Where are we? All right, all right, all right, all right. Faith. Everybody say faith in Jesus. The king releases the kingdom's power. Two, look at, look, at, uh, look at verse 13. Talking about releasing signs and wonders. Signs and wonders and miracles. Talking about that. Prayer creates the atmosphere for miracles, verse 13. He says this in verse 13 of John 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. In his name is key. He's really talking about his character, talking about his will, talking about his word. You just, Lord, kill, kill my ex-husband, God. You know not what spirit you're of. But in his name. So when you're praying for your family to be saved, is that God's will? It is God's will. And when you're praying for somebody to be healed, is it God's will to heal them? I'm going to tell you yes. If you've ever heard anything from me, yes. Yes. Why doesn't everybody get healed? I don't know. I'm not God. When they get to heaven, they all get healed. That I know. Meanwhile, we fight for, we contend for miracles, signs, and wonders. We hardly don't understand anything. You fight for it. You pray. Prayer creates an atmosphere for signs and wonders and miracles. Look at three. Be obedient. Can you turn his keys on? Thanks. Keys. You're awesome. Be obedient. Talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. It's, what, it's one of the things that distinguishes us between us and cults. Now, cults also can have signs, wonders, and miracles, so don't, don't be confused. Any spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. So anybody that does a miracle and does not acknowledge Jesus and give glory to God for it, they're from the devil. I don't care. I don't care if they go to church. If you don't acknowledge Jesus and give glory to him, you better, you, you, you better get away from that. Three, be obedient. Be obedient so that God's power has freedom to flow through us. Verse 15, this is right from John 14, verse 15, 
John chapter 14, verse 15. Now, if you love me and keep my commands, if you love me and keep my commands, if you, you know, we want God to perform when we call, but many of you don't, don't, don't perform when he calls. Now, could it be that you want God to do what you want him to do when you call on him, but he's been calling on you and you didn't do skip? I'm not feeling the love. I'm going back here to get some comfort. Hmm, yes. If you'll be obedient, you'll see greater release of God's power. Know and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Know and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, He will give you another advocate, and He will help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know, in this church, it's a choice that we make to press in to see God's power come. And I know there's, you know, I'm sure there's churches that are a hundred times more anointed or whatever. I'm not comparing, we're not comparing ourselves to anybody. I just know that if we don't make room for him, then he doesn't have any room. And he'll take whatever you give him, the Holy Spirit, him. It's not an it, it's not a dove. The Holy Spirit is mostly a gentleman. I've had some experiences where it was not so gentlemanly. You give room to God. You give room to the Holy Spirit. He will move. That's why we have altar calls. Invite people up and pray for them. That's why we flow in the gifts. And, and I, I pray we'd flow in even a greater way. As a pastor, as a leader, as a life group leader, as a team leader. I, I, I came up through our whole life group system, small groups. And, you know, I know what it's like. You get there on a Thursday and, you know, you could just be like, sit there. Maybe you're tired and have the thought, God, I hope you don't break out really too bad because I am tired and I want to go home. So we could just teach tonight and just be like chill. God. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you have been in full-time ministry or, you know, you're serving or maybe you're on a volunteer on a team and you're like, oh, God, don't bring too many kids. Don't bring too many kids, God. Oh, don't bring too many kids. Just a few. And for the God's sake, don't let pastor go long. Oh, oh, I hope he ends at 8.30. Too late, 8.34. Oh, I, I'm, I'm being real. I was in a staff meeting today. We have many things going on. We're, we're, we're flowing at capacity with our, I mean, may God expand our capacity. And I was so, I was very transparent, probably more than I should have been with my staff, and I probably shouldn't tell you either, but I'm going to. To move a church forward, you have to be, you have to aggressively create opportunities for growth and outreach. And, and, and I'm just like, I don't want to do another thing right now. I'm not feeling the love. I'm going over here. I don't feel like I want another thing to do. But you know what I've found? That's my flesh. So you need balance. Some of you got so balanced, you just fell over already. You're so balanced, lying in bed. Just balanced. I think another word for that would be lazy, would be another word for that. You have to make room. You have to provide opportunities for prayer as pastors and leaders. And there's many people that listen to this broadcast, pastors. And you have to create opportunities for people to get saved. You have to create opportunities. You had, like the Old Testament had to go and dig ditches. And then the Lord came and filled them with water. And you have to do your part. You don't set it up 
Leave, come on, leave home early and, and allow for a little bit more time to witness to the person at the holiday gas station. Set up opportunities to see God's power manifested. That's why I'm uncomfortable. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about reaching the lost. Allow for God to fill you. Put yourself in a place where you get full of the Spirit. Contend. Look at, look at B. Contend for signs and wonders. And that's kind of what I'm talking about now. If I make it, let me tell you how tonight's could have, service could have been. First of all, so anointed, amazing. You were all worshiping. I could have gotten up and say, very good. Uh, take someone by the hand. And Lord, thank you. Bless the congregation. Amen. Turn to John 3.16. Turn to John 3.16. Read John 3.16. Talk about how God so loved the world. And I'm not trying to make that trite, but I could have been really small, really short. Give an altar call. Very good. Thank you for coming for the Wednesday night Bible study tonight. Jesus loves you. Let's close in prayer. Close and we'll leave. I didn't do that. Why? Because that's not who we are. That's not how we roll. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. I'm not going to preach long, I don't think. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few minutes. And if you have it all figured out, then you, you know this, how many of you know what this is? This is a, a sheet that comes from my staff, and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's, it's called Planning Center. And people like me need sheets like this. And, and, it, and it talks about the different songs that have been selected because they practice. They practice, and they prepare, and they work hard, and they pray about the songs that they use. And, and then I come up and switch it up and do whatever I want to later, but this is a framework. This is a framework, and it lists these different things. You know what we don't have on here? We don't have Holy Spirit move time. Do you know when that is? Whenever he wants to. When is that? Whenever he wants to. Who's the judge of that? I am, but there's others. I'm seeing the power of God fall on Toby, and I can see, well, we just need to go longer. It's different things. Pastor Karen gets a word. Things start happening. You can sense you got you, you, leadership can usher in the power of God or shut it down. And let me just tell you what I hope to do. I hope to usher in the power of God. Life group leaders, it's a choice. You can be tired and leave a dead, boring little teaching that you read off a sheet and go home twice as dead as when they showed up to your life group. Or, or you can put some prepare and pray and believe God that when you teach that thing that it comes to life and lives get changed. You have to fight against your flesh. You have to fight against the world. You got to fight against the spirit of the age that wants you just to have a cute service. All right, be open to letting God use you. I'm almost done. Be open to letting God use you. I'm going to share this dream, and I'll close. Uh, look at D for all you note-takers. Make sure you don't get upset going with one blank not filled in. For all of you that are control freaks, keep in mind. <laughs> come on, smile at me. I'm just teasing. Keep in mind for miracles is that Jesus be glorified. That the, purpose, the purpose of miracles is that Jesus be glorified, right? Uh, a number of years ago, I had a dream, very vivid dream, and I'm the guest speaker at a very large event. Dr. Morocco's leading the event. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. TV cameras everywhere, and I'm on the front row, 
and it's time, just about time for me to preach. You know, they're kind of moving on, and Dr. Morocco's about to give the honored introduction, and Pastor Daniel comes from Alaska, that kind of thing. He's about to start to do that. And I gotta go to the bathroom, which happens. How many of you know that happens? I mean, anybody ever run a race before? Right before the race? You know what that's like? You're like, we gotta go to go. Okay, so I gotta go. So I get up, and I'm armor bearers. How many of you know that? There's people that help you. And so I, I leave. I leave the front row, and I head to the back. And it, I mean, it, it's people as far as you can see. And I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. I've got two guys with me. And I get to the back, and I make a right to go towards the bathroom. And I come upon a group of about 15 to 20 people that are smashed in the Holy Ghost. What do you mean? They're on the floor, weeping, laughing, rolling around. And, and like, that's not happening in the rest of the congregation. But here's this pocket of like a portal of fire is falling right there. And I say to myself, huh, I didn't know you were doing that here, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I go to step over them, and the power of God tackles me, hits me from behind, pulls my suit jacket up over my head, all my, you know, I mean, like, my shirt gets ripped out. I, I'm on the ground. I'm smashed into the carpet, and I can't move. I can't get up. And I'm on the ground, and I'm like, God, I'm supposed to preach. Get me up, God. God, I'm trying to get up. And finally, I get up. Now, you know how dreams are? Okay. So I look at myself, and my, my, my nice suit and tie and everything I was wearing is ready to be, you know, thousands of people and all over TV. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of us might have a little bit too much attention of the way we look. I might be guilty of that at times. I like clothes. I just want, I, I like looking, I like looking good. I look, I'm, I, whether you think I look good or not, that's not the point. I like, I like, I like looking good for me. You want to wear clothes from the bottom of the hamper and stink, that's up to you. That's not how I roll. All right? Come on, all the, all the, all the hamper wearers say it. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So I, I look at my clothes, and there's no way. Dr. Morocco and the TV and that, there's no way. I'm ruined. My clothes are ripped. Everything's messed up. So I'm instantly back in my hotel room. And so I go to put on a pair of pants, and they don't fit. And, like, the button pops. I'm too fat. And, the, and then I wear another pair of pants, and they just rip right up the crotch. Terrible. I'm ruined. Can't wear those. Finally, I get in myself in a pair of pants that'll work, but they're really uncomfortable. Then I get a shirt on that doesn't match, and another shirt doesn't match. And I'm, I'm trying to find an outfit. I, I'm just driving me nuts. I'm like, oh, God, oh, wardrobe malfunction, God. So finally, I get something that's like, I don't like it, but it'll work. Does anybody, I don't know if the women know what I'm talking about. Maybe the guys in Alaska don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying it'll work. I'm going over here. I'm instantly back at the church, back at the church, back at this massive event. And I'm walking, I'm going to take my seat. Dr. Morocco's up on the front, he's looking at me like, where have you been? You know, kind of like, dude, they're stalling and flowing and doing whatever. I sit down and I realize, where's my Bible? Where's my notes? Oh, it's back with those holy rollers back there. So I tell my armor bearer, hey, dude, 
Remember where we got wiped out? And the, yeah, my Bible and my notes are back there. Go get them. He's like, all right. He gets up and walks the opposite direction. And right at that is, and put your hands together for Pastor Daniel Brack. That's it. There's no notes. There's no Bible. As I'm walking to take the microphone, I'm instantly soaking wet like I peed, my, peed myself. Soaking wet. And as I look, I'm realizing, and in, in my dream, the thought I have is, this is God. God's doing this to me. It's not even the devil. It's not a wardrobe devil. It's the Lord. And he hands me the mic. And I don't know what to do. Now, I don't have notes. Some people don't need notes. Some people do. He hands me the mic. And I just said, I'm a, I'm a flow in the Holy Ghost thing. I, I don't know. I'm a flow in the Holy Ghost. So I got wet pants. I hate my clothes. I don't have any notes. It's really kind of offensive to the Holy Spirit to even have those thoughts that you would then, well, I have to, jeez, I guess I have to, guess I have to flow in the Spirit now. I'm instantly wake up, and the Lord speaks to me and says, you can't make my spirit seeker-friendly, so don't even try. Don't even try. It can be messy. But you know what happens? Changed lives is what happens. You know what happens is that marriages get healed. These guys were married. It fell apart. There's a whole long story. They came back here. Junior got filled with the fire. And they're getting remarried. And you can look at their faces to say, something's going on over here. And they could tell their whole story. It's amazing. I'm telling you, signs, wonders, and miracles. Come on, signs, wonders, and miracles. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.